You're listening to Matt Loves Cameras. If you like cameras as much as I like cameras, you've probably bought one off eBay before. It is without doubt the easiest way to find that camera that you've had your heart set on. But if you're just getting into film photography, or if you don't have much experience buying film cameras online, there are a lot of pitfalls. In this episode, I feature my top 12 tips to buying film cameras on eBay. I'm Matt Murray, and this is Matt Loves Cameras. Film cameras. Instant cameras. And everything analogue photography related. my friends wherever you are all around the world welcome to another episode of matt loves cameras it's a beautiful weekend here in brisbane it's saturday morning uh beautiful sunshine outside bright blue skies it's about 18 degrees today 18 to 20 degrees so it's a little bit on the chilly side for us here um but you know i'm looking forward to getting out there later i've got quite a few rolls of film on cameras i want to finish off and uh, send off to get developed uh, probably on Monday or Tuesday. So I'm really looking forward to doing that later this afternoon. We're actually about to have a, a little bit of a warm spell here in the middle of our winter. Uh, I think it's going to get up to 26 or 27 degrees midweek here in Brisbane, which would be ideal um, to have a sickie and go to the beach. Um, but unfortunately, I'm actually a contractor. So if I don't go to work, I don't get paid. Uh, so there'll be no no sickies from me this week. I'll be, um, I'll be working hard and uh, enjoying that sunshine when I can. Just a quick recap. My name's Matt Murray. I'm a photographer and camera enthusiast from sunny Brisbane in Australia. This podcast is all about analogue photography. In many episodes of this podcast, I review different film or instant cameras, telling you about the history, their features, what they're like to use and what kind of photos you can expect from them. Today's episode is a little bit different. Episode 16 of Matt Loves Cameras, I am presenting to you my guide and my tips for buying film cameras on eBay. You can see the show notes from today's episode, along with all the other show notes from every other episode at mattlovescameras.com. And you can follow the show's Instagram at mattlovescameras. Now, before we launch into my 12 top tips for buying film cameras on eBay, just a little bit of a disclaimer. These are my tips based on my experience. So please do your own research carefully and, you know, ask ask other people who've bought film cameras on eBay because everyone's uh, opinion and experience differs. Uh, what also differs is consumer laws. They vary from country to country. So this is based on my experience uh, buying cameras here in Australia. And also when I lived in England, I used to buy cameras on eBay many years ago. So please do your own research uh, before you dive in. Tip number one, research the camera. This is extremely important. Read reviews about the camera you've got your heart set on. Find out what people like and don't like about it. Make sure it's really for you. Do you have a friend or acquaintance that has one? Ask if you can borrow it or go over their place and have a look at it. Play around with it. Look through the viewfinder. Make sure that it feels good in your hand. I've actually spoken to many film photographers and seen many posts from people in Facebook forums where people are selling cameras and they've said they wanted the camera for the longest time, but when they got it, it didn't quite live up to their expectations for whatever reason. And it could be that, you know, the viewfinder is too small or it's too heavy or a multitude of reasons. Not every camera is for every person. Now, if it's a more sort of vintage camera, make sure you can still get the film and the batteries for the camera. I've actually seen probably at least three posts in Polaroid groups over the last year where people have bought Polaroid pack film cameras and they come into the group and they're quite shocked to realize that there's no current supplier for Polaroid 
pack film or Fuji film pack film, uh, and they're kind of shocked that it's gone out of production. So before you make that purchase, make sure you can get batteries and make sure you can get film and it won't cost an arm and a leg. Another important part of this research is make sure that you know about all the different models and variations of the camera. Quite often, small differences in models can make a big difference in terms of value. For example, an Olympus XA1 is not worth as much as an Olympus XA or an XA2. And a Mu2 Zoom 80 is not worth as much as a Mu2. So this is a really important point that I'm stressing to you. Find out about all the models in the range and the differences they have. That is extremely important. Now, not once, but twice, I've actually bought the wrong camera due to not knowing which models were in the range. Now, the first time this happened to me, it was a couple of years ago, and I was just getting back into film after a few years uh, a few years of not shooting film, and I heard about this camera that people were in love with, the Olympus Mu2. Um, so I thought, right, yeah, I'm going to see what all this hype's about. And I got onto eBay, and I snagged one for $60, and everyone else was saying they were going for like $200. And I was like, ha, 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 I'm so clever. I'm such a good eBayer. I found one for 60 bucks. Uh, and of course I bought a Mu2 Zoom 80. Yes, my self-congratulations was way too early because I bought the wrong camera. Anyway, so this camera arrived and um, I shot quite a few rolls through it. One thing that the camera seller didn't tell me was that this camera actually suffered from the, the Mu2 Zoom uh, light leak. It's a weird uh, light leak that's sort of around the barrel of the lens. Um, so anyway, I in the end, I actually did actually buy a Mu2, a proper one, a stylus Epic. And I decided to put this on eBay, the Mu2 Zoom 80. And much to my surprise, I put it on for 99 cents. I was very honest. I told people about the, the Mu2 um, light leak around the lens and I showed them examples. And I actually ended up selling that camera on eBay Australia for $160. So I made, even after eBay fees, I made like $80, $90 on it, which I was amazed with. Um, so that one turned out quite well for me. So the second time this happened, uh, it was even worse. I went onto eBay because I really wanted a Fujifilm Class S. And I saw one in Sydney, I think it was. It was a beautiful little silver one. And um, I think it was up for sale for like $700. Um, but I gave them, an, I sent through an offer and they accepted it. So I think I got it for like 600 Australian dollars, uh, which is about probably 400 US at the moment. So when it came, I was super excited. I downloaded the English manual for the Class S uh, via the link on 35mmc and I printed it out and we were actually going to Sydney last, uh, last May, June. And so I thought, right, I'm going to read this manual on the plane. And so me and my family, we got on the plane to Sydney and I got the manual out along with the camera. And I started reading the manual, looking at the camera, thinking there's no buttons on the top here of this camera, or the, the buttons aren't the same as the buttons in the manual. And then after about two minutes, it dawned on me that I had not bought the Fujifilm Class S. And I had to wait till I got to Sydney to start some Googling. I was very sort of worried. I'd actually bought the Fujifilm Class Yep, I did not know the models in the range and I bought the wrong camera. What made it confusing was that they're both called class. They both have very similar lenses. Um, one's an f2.6 lens, one's an f2.8 lens, but they're the same uh, focal length. They look very, very similar. So I was an idiot and I bought the wrong camera. So long story short, I actually ended up buying the class S as well which was very expensive. Uh, I think I told you guys about this in an earlier episode. Uh, I actually spent a thousand US dollars on one, come from Japan, beautiful, beautiful condition. And I really love the camera. So for a while there, I actually had two of these cameras. I had the Class and the Class S. Now I actually ended up selling the camera uh, for just under 800 Australian dollars. Um, so for me, it actually, again, it worked out well um, just by sort of the rising tide of film camera prices. By the time I got rid of this camera six months after I bought it, it had actually gone up in value. So I was lucky. But the moral of the story is always do your research around models of cameras. Cameras also go by different names in different markets. So of course, the Olympus Mu2 is known as the Olympus Stylus Epic in the States. Another example is that really cool cult classic, the red, black and white 
Canon underwater camera. It is known as the Canon SureShot WP-1. In North America, it's known as the SureShot A1. In Japan, it's known as the Autoboy D5. And in Europe, it went by the Canon Prima AS-1. <laughs> so this is all the same camera and it had four different names. Now, you might want to know what, why is that so important that you know all the different names? Well, it comes in handy when you're searching on eBay because people will typically list the item by the name it has on the camera. And so, for example, you might search for a WP-1 and there might not be any for sale at all but you look under the Prima AS1 and there you go. They're all there ready for you to buy. You're listening to Matt Loves Cameras. Now, when you're looking at older vintage cameras, Make sure the item that you're buying is legit. Now, I say this in reference to Leicas in particular. There were so many Leica copies made by the Russians in particular. So, you know, people try and sell cameras as a Leica. It may or may not be a real Leica. So you really need to know by looking at it if it's the real thing or not. And lastly, if you have any questions, ask advice. Ask if there's anything you should look for when buying one of these cameras. Facebook groups are fantastic for this. So, for example, I recently joined a Contax G1, G2 group and I asked them a couple of questions and they were very, very helpful. So make sure you tap into those communities to help you. Tip number two, research the price of the camera. So this is really easy to do in eBay. So I'm in eBay at the moment and I've put Canon WP-1. That's the uh, red, white, and black, uh, very cool uh, underwater camera from Canon. And uh, all you do is you go in the left-hand side of eBay and there's all this criteria like features, condition, price, buying format. And if you go down far enough, you'll see one that says sold items. So I've just clicked on sold items and the last few Canon SureShot WP-1 cameras that have sold have sold, this is in the US, they've sold for 60 US dollars, 60 US dollars, 65, 50. So you get a bit of a feeling for uh, how much they go for. Now, if you do the same search in the UK, <laughs> I just did one before in the UK, and they have sold in the UK for 87 pounds, 95 pounds, 97 pounds, uh, and then down to a few more cheaper ones, 41, 35, 25 pounds. So it's really um, good to get a feeling of how much these cameras are going for. So when you're doing this research about sold item prices on eBay, make some notes around the typical values that they're going for, but also have a read of the descriptions. Make sure you're comparing like with like. For example, a non-working Polaroid SX70 or an untested SX70 is going to go for cheaper than a working tested SX70. So you really need to compare uh, the descriptions to make sure you're comparing like with like. Also, condition is key. So you might see an SX70 go for five bucks, but it could be rusted, it could be have haze on the lens, it could have all sorts of problems. Whereas a perfect working condition camera that's just been serviced is going to go typically for a lot more. When you're buying cameras with lenses, always read the listing very carefully to see if there's any fungus or haze, scratches or dust. Typically dust isn't something uh, that's gonna matter too much. If you shine a torch down any old kind of lens, there's always gonna be some amount of dust in there. Uh, in fact, um, a lot of the Japanese sellers actually mentioned tiny dusts in their listings, which is kind of funny, um, but they're very, very thorough with their listings. So um, I really like the Japanese descriptions of cameras. Make sure if there's any um, issues like scratches or dents in the camera itself. You know, are you really happy paying that much money for that Leica, but it's got scratches all over it? Maybe you don't care, but maybe you do. Maybe you can get another Leica with no scratches or dents for around the same price or a little bit more. So always take those things into consideration. Does the item come with any accessories like a manual strap, original box, uh, remote control, a lens hood? 
all of these things affect the value of the item and they can be really important as well for resale value. I know that if I'm looking for a camera on eBay, if I can't pick it up locally for any reason, I will typically go for a camera that's in really good condition with a manual and a box and the accessories if I can. And you know what? I don't mind paying a good price for that item. So, for example, the uh, the Fujifilm Class S that I bought last year for a thousand US dollars. Now, it was in mint condition. Now, that phrase is completely overused, sadly, in on eBay. Uh, but this one really was in mint condition. It come in a beautiful leather pouch with class on it. It came with the class little petal lens hood for the camera. It's in beautiful condition. I've just taken it out of its pouch. Um, there's not a scratch or a dent on it. It looks like it, you know, it could have rolled off the factory floor. Uh, and even though I've been using it for the last almost year, it's still in really good condition. Uh, I've taken very good care of it. Uh, the lens is great. Um, it's just there's absolutely no problems with this camera whatsoever. Came with the original box, original paperwork. So you know what? I didn't mind paying a thousand US dollars for it, even though that is a lot of money. I could have got a beat up class with no manual, no pouch, no strap, no hood, nothing with scratches all over it. Probably I could have saved myself, I don't know, two, three, four hundred US dollars. But you know what? If I'm buying one of these, I want a really nice one to take care of and keep for a long time. Now, if you're buying a camera from overseas and it comes with a manual, always check what language the manual is in. Now, you probably know that many camera manuals come in loads of different languages. So, for example, one of the Mew cameras I recently um, sold, it actually had like five different languages in the manual, which is pretty amazing. Um, but I recently bought a Contax G2 from Japan. On the manual, on the front cover, it says Contacts G2 in English. When the camera arrived, guess what? The manual is in Japanese. Now, it's no big deal because you can actually get the English manual online. But I was a little bit disappointed and I didn't ask the seller what language the manual is in. So that can be a bit of a trap. Now, again, with that example of the G2, the Contax G2, if you're buying into a system for the first time and you might be buying a body, camera body, and some lenses and a flash, work out the how much these lots of equipment are going for. So how much is the, the body and three lenses and a flash going for? And then do some research on those items individually. So when I was looking at the Contax G2, I actually worked out that even including shipping, I was going to get more bang for my buck if I bought the G2 and the 45 lens separate and then buying the 90mm lens separate and then buying the 28 lens separate. That's what I worked out. It was cheaper to buy the items individually, even taking into account postage. The items where there was a big lot, so the camera body, the lenses, the flash, they were more expensive uh, overall. So just take that into account. As well as eBay itself, there are other places where you can research the price of the item. So looking through sold listings on Facebook, of course, is a good idea. Um, they can vary widely, though, because people may not know the working condition of the camera or they may not know the true value of the camera. Um, but it's interesting looking through Facebook sold listings. And also there's a website called CollectiBlend, which many people swear by, but I've looked through it before and I think the item values are way off personally, but hey, that's just me. You can also look through other classified sites in your part of the world like uh, Gumtree in Australia and the UK, uh, Craigslist in America and uh, you know other places like Etsy also have cameras up for sale as well. Tip number three, set up alerts. So once you know what camera you want and the rough price that you should pay, sign up for eBay alerts. You can sign up for push alerts on your phone and you can also sign up for email alerts. It's pretty easy to do and it means that you're always gonna get notifications of items cropping up. In the past, I found that if I didn't have alerts set up, you know, I'd be looking all the time for an item and it wouldn't come up at the price range I wanted to pay. And then all of a sudden, if I didn't look for a week, you know, it, it had already come up and been sold. Uh, so pay close attention to those alerts if you're on the hunt for a particular item. Also, look out for special eBay offers. Here in Australia, eBay often have discount coupons that they give you. Now, these have ranged in the last few months from 
3% off to 10% off. And I'm not talking about the special deals they have for the eBay Plus stuff where they'll have a retailer they have a kind of agreement with and you'll get 20% off. These uh, coupons that I'm talking about are pretty much coupons for most items on eBay. And as I said, they range from 3% off to 10% off. And when one of those comes up, if there's an item that I've been watching, I pounce and I make sure that I can use the coupon with that item. Usually that's when you're looking at the main listing, you'll have the price, say $500. And then when you look further down the screen a little bit, it says something like pay only $450. And it'll say, show me how. And it'll say apply code pepper at checkout. Uh, so that's how you do that. Always keep an eye out for those coupons. They can be very, very handy. out the show notes at mattlovescameras.com if you're on instagram come say hi at mattlovescameras or if you fancy getting in touch drop us a line at mattlovescameras at gmail.com Tip number four, read the listings carefully. When you've found an item that you think you want to buy, make sure you read the listing very carefully. Make sure you're comparing like with like with the items that have previously sold. So for example, if you've been eyeing up that Canon waterproof point and shoot, the Canon Shot WP1, and you know that a working tested version goes for around $50. If all of a sudden one comes along and it's $40, but it's untested and it's got no accessories and it doesn't look very good, you know that you're not comparing like with like. I personally wouldn't buy it, not for that amount of money. If it was $5 in a charity shop or a Goodwill store, sure, I'd buy it just to see if it, you know, it worked. But if you're paying that much money and it's untested, no accessories, no way. So, of course, the first thing you're probably looking for is, is the item in perfect working condition? If there are any issues that the seller lists, you have to take a view on whether these are going to affect the value or the functionality of the camera. Quite often they will, quite often they won't. If they're just small scratches or things like that, it probably won't matter too much. But if there's big dents, it's been dropped. If there's any balsam separation or other issues with the camera, like the battery door coming off, you've got to take these into consideration before you buy or bid. Now, if you find a bargain, but the seller says that the item is untested, what do you do? It's a half price or a third of the price of other cameras that have sold, but it's not tested. Ultimately, at the price it is for sale, you've got to think to yourself, am I happy to buy this camera, find out it doesn't work, and sit on my shelf as a paperweight? That's what you've got to think. And if you're not happy about that, then don't buy an untested camera. It's as simple as that. Unless you're a camera repair person, or you know one who will do the work for you very cheaply, if it's an untested camera, you are taking a chance you're gambling with your money. Now, if it's a little point and shoot, look, the chances of it going wrong could be very slim. If it's an electronic camera, you know, like a, a Contax T2 or a Contax G2 or other electronic cameras, you know, have is there a history of these cameras going wrong and dying? And if it's untested, you could end up with a dead camera. You can get lucky, of course. Sometimes people sell cameras they think are dead or not working and all they need is a new battery and some TLC. Now, once many years ago, I believe that I actually sold on eBay very cheaply a camera that probably just needed a new battery. Yes, I'm that silly that I did that. I didn't know anything about the camera. I thought it was broken and uh, I sold it in a lot of broken cameras and I'm pretty sure that one, all I needed was a new battery. Oh, well. On the flip side of things, last year I bought a bulk lot of 20 cameras from the UK and including postage, I paid about 80 US dollars. Uh, included in that lot, I got a Hymatic, I got an OM20, 
I got a couple of Canon Sure Shots, the 2.8 ones from the 80s. Um, I got some really, really cool little cameras in there. Probably about a quarter of the cameras have issues or don't work, but the, I got some real little gems in there as well. And I actually also got a backpack. They sold me a Low Pro Slingshot backpack, and I flipped that on Facebook for $40. Um, so all of a sudden, um, that's 40 Australian dollars. So all of a sudden, that lot of cameras that cost me 80 US dollars or about 120 Australian dollars, all of a sudden, I made back a third of my money just from selling a backpack that came in the bulk lot. So you can get lucky, but I knew at the time when I bought those 20 cameras, they could all turn up broken or dead. Uh, luckily for me, most of them worked okay. Another time, I actually bought a camera. I think it was $15 plus a few dollars postage. It was a, a Nikon uh, L35AF or whatever that model is. And it said it was um, not working, something wrong with it. I bought it thinking I might be able to play around with it and fix it. Yeah, no, no, I'm not a camera repair person. And I got the I got the camera, I put a new battery in, it's still broken. Guess what? Uh, I'm an idiot. So just be really, really careful um, when you do that. You know, you've got to be prepared to get that item in the post and it's not working. And if they've listed it on eBay as not working, it's your fault. You've gambled with your money and you've lost but you can also win. So you've just got to be very careful. Now, one last thing to note about the listings. Sometimes sellers put uh, little sentences like photos tell the story or photos are an integral part of this description and they don't put much other information. Now, it's actually really hard then to work out if there's something wrong with the camera by the photos alone. So just be wary of that. Uh, I'm not saying those people are dishonest, but just be careful. Obviously, listings with really good descriptions are way better than listings with no description. Tip number five, research the seller. This is quite easy to do on eBay. You can click on their name and all of a sudden you get a little profile about that person. You can see how long they've been on eBay. You can see their feedback rating. You can see their latest feedback remarks from people. You can see if they're in the same country as you. Um, you can also have a look at if they have a return policy. That's usually on the listing itself. And so what is their return policy? If they have a return policy of 30 days, that's great. You can actually buy the item and send it back if you don't want it. You will lose money on the postage, of course. But if you don't like the item, that's probably something you might be up for doing. You're not going to lose that much money, which is good. Tip number six. If it's too good to be true, it probably is. This particularly relates to film sales. Twice last year, I bought discount film bargains from China off eBay. So the first was for some discount FP100C and this was after it had been discontinued and it had gone out of stock at all major retailers. I bought some FP100C from a seller in China for only like 20 US dollars a pack. What a bargain. Guess what? It was too good to be true. When the film didn't arrive in the allotted delivery time frame, I got in touch with eBay and they confirmed that they'd been having some problems with that seller and they would refund me my money. So that's great. I got my money back. A bit disappointed I didn't get that discount film, but it was okay. I got my money back. I actually said to eBay at the time, I said, why would they do this? They've sold all this film to people, which they clearly don't have, and they've done refunds. What's the point? And they sort of alluded to the fact that it was a way of getting a lot of money in a short period of time. The shop had taken all this money in, um, and then all of a sudden they had it, they were sitting on the money for a month and then eventually they had to pay it back. But it was kind of some kind of weird scam thing where they were just sitting on money. <laughs> so it was very, very strange. I've also bought discount Instax film and discount uh, 120 film before on eBay, uh, just in case it was real. But guess what? That was too good to be true as well. That was super cheap. And eventually I had my money refunded to me from eBay. Um, uh, yeah, it's really weird. Also be aware of any too good to be true deal that encourages you to contact the person away from eBay. So recently when I was looking at the G2, Contacts G2, there was one for sale in the UK and it basically had a, a quite a cheap price. But what it said was, um, contact me privately on this phone number, this email, if you want to do a private deal. 
Now, anytime that you move away from eBay to contacting someone privately, they'll probably say, send me some money into my bank account. And if you do that, you will not be covered by eBay protection. You will not be covered by PayPal protection. So anytime people try and move you off eBay onto a private forum, a different payment method, be very, very suspicious. I'm not saying that that bargain in the UK was dodgy, but it certainly had some of the hallmarks of being a dodgy deal. I've actually heard stories in Facebook groups before where people have sold the same non-existent item uh, to multiple people. So they've moved them off the platform, sold the item at a cheap price to that person and someone else and someone else, and the people have lost their money. So be very careful. Tip number seven, bid late and bid high. Do not bid too early on auctions. Generally, you know, try and wait till near the end if you can. Many years ago, I used to bid really early in auctions and all that seemed to do was drive the price up and you have this false sense of security that you've beaten those people and they're not going to bid again. And all of a sudden, someone comes along at the end and just blows you out of the water. So I always bid late and I bid high. So what I do is I work out how much I really want to pay for the camera and then I usually add 10%. Now you might say, well, why do you add 10% on top? That's because generally if it's a really nice example of the camera with the accessories, what's another 10%? I'd rather pay that and win the item that I really, really want rather than have to start the whole process again and find another camera to bid on. Now, if you're not going to be around when the auction ends, this is especially true if you're buying things from overseas, you can use an eBay sniper. So I use Gixen, that's G-I-X-E-N. It's a great little uh, tool. I think the guy behind it is in America and I think his name's Mario. I've emailed him a couple of times. Um, yeah, it's a great little tool, Gixon, and it can actually, you can import your watch list into Gixon and it can bid for you while you're asleep, which is great. Gixon is also really cool because you can group items. So for example, when you import your watch list, just say there are three Leica M6s finishing within an hour of each other, and but you don't want to buy all three, you just buy, want to buy one of them. So you can put your bids in for each one and group them. And if Gixon is successful at submitting your bid and the bid wins, it will disregard the other bids following that in the group. So just say you bid for the M6, uh, the first bid doesn't win, but the second bid does win, Gixon will automatically cancel that third bid for you so you don't end up with two Lycra M6s. You can also change the country you're bidding from in Gixon. So mine automatically was Australia because I'm registered to eBay Australia and I usually bid on stuff here in Australia. But it can actually be really useful in certain situations. So for example, there was an auction that finished overnight in the UK for one of those Canon waterproof uh, cameras. It was actually a, actually badged a Prima AS1, but the seller would only post it to the UK. Now, I'm going to be in the UK later this year. So what I did was I went into Gixon. It finished around 4 a.m. see this auction. So I went into Gixon, changed my location to the United Kingdom. So I, I was actually able to bid on it because if my location was Australia, it pro I don't think it would actually let me bid on it. And then Gixon went to work and it submitted the bid and I won the beautiful Canon Shaw Shots uh, Prima AS1 or whatever it's called. I think I've amalgamated several <laughs> titles there into one, but I actually won it for £34, which I was really, really happy with. Uh, and I'm actually getting it posted to my mother-in-law's in the UK, and I'll pick it up later this year. So uh, I'm really, really happy with that. One time, this actually did catch me out. So last year, there was a lot of cameras, like a bulk lot or a job lot of cameras on eBay from the UK. And there's about 20 cameras in there. And it wasn't the same one that I won. It was, a, it was a different one. Now, in this lot of cameras, uh, it was, the opening bid was £20. And in the middle of them, there was a Konica Big Mini. Now, all of them, all the cameras were untested. And they weren't sure if they worked or not. But for £20 plus postage to Australia, I was willing to take a gamble that that Konica Big Mini worked. And no one was bidding on the item. 
maybe they didn't realize they could couldn't see the Konica big mini in the middle I don't know in the end uh, I woke up in the morning uh, I put my bid in through Gixson but my country was set to Australia I bid something like 30 or 40 pounds I woke up in the morning and I saw the item sold for 20 pounds but I hadn't won it and I thought what has gone on here because I bid more than that Gixson went to put the bid in for me eBay UK said mm, hang on you're in Australia this item does not post to Australia and the bid was taken out and someone in the UK won a group of 20 cameras for 20 quid with a Konica Big Mini in. Uh, so I was really upset um, and I actually emailed Mario Akixson and he, t- he explained the problem to me and he said yeah it's because eBay has actually rejected the bid and so always remember that if you're bidding on an item from somewhere else in the world, make sure they post to your region. Otherwise, your bid may not even go through. Now, you may be thinking as well, oh, hang on, why were you even bidding for the item if they wouldn't post to Australia? Well, I have relatives in the UK, my my in-laws, and the, the actual shop that was selling these cameras was about uh, 20 minutes drive from where my in-laws lived. So I thought if I win this group of cameras for 20 quid, I'm going to go ask my mother-in-law to drive over to the shop and pick them up for me. And uh, I'll I'll give her some petrol money and I'll then pay her to post them to me. Um, So I had it all worked out. uh, But sadly, it wasn't to be. Tip number eight, how to get a discount on fixed price listings. So with fixed price listings, you'll often find these in places like uh, Japan, where a lot of Japanese camera sellers have their cameras up for fixed prices. So you might look at a Contax G2 with a 45mm lens, and it might be, say, I don't know, could be $1,500 US for example. Now, what you can do is you can actually message them and ask for a better price. So that's different to making an offer. Some listings will have make me an offer on, but if you go into the listing and there's no make me an offer or make an offer, if there's just that one price, message them. This is particularly effective um, for Japanese sellers, I've found. You message them very politely and say, hey, I'm very interested in your item. Uh, Is there any chance of a small discount? So they might come back and say, no, I've got no wiggle room. Sorry, I can't give you a discount. But more often than not, I've found that they will come back and give you a discount. Uh, On one item in particular, I found they gave me a discount of like 15% they offered me. And they'll give you a special link. eBay gives you that special link and you go through to their page and you can buy it. So if you get a special discount through messaging them and you have one of those eBay coupon codes, you can save quite a bit of money. Another way, of course, to get a discount is asking for a shipping discount if you're buying multiple items off the same seller. And you can also always ask if there's a cheaper shipping method. Uh, Unfortunately, a lot of people these days use eBay's um, uh, shipping methods, which are so expensive. Uh, For example, I bought uh, an Olympus LT1 recently. Now, you may remember that the Olympus LT1 is one of my favorite point-and-shoots, and I featured it in episode four of Matt Loves Cameras. I also dropped it, you'll probably remember uh, me talking about me dropping it in Sydney earlier in the year. And so I wanted to get an LT1 backup, and I found a beautiful, beautiful one in Canada, a beautiful burgundy one. So my, my current LT1's brown, but this other one was burgundy, a beautiful condition, box, manual, everything. It was 68 US dollars. And uh, I bought it. Unfortunately, the postage to Australia, the shipping, I think it was like 50 US dollars. So it was almost as much as the camera. And I messaged the seller and said, oh, you know, do you have any cheaper shipping methods? And they apologized and said, sorry, I just use eBay shipping. So sometimes it won't work for you. Sometimes you've just got to pay the shipping. Um, but other times, you know, they will come back. I think it was, um, I think there was one from America, something from America I bought. Uh, it might've been when I bought the SX-70 accessories kit, which are all the little accessories that you can use with your Polaroid SX-70. I actually went to them and said, hey, um, have you got any cheaper shipping? Because like, it's a really light item and that's quite expensive. And they come back and went, oh yeah, yeah, sure. Um, there's actually this other shipping. It might take a few days longer, but it's like 60% of the shipping we quoted you. So don't be afraid to message people and politely ask if there is a cheaper shipping method. 
Tip number nine, always pay with PayPal. So if you buy with eBay, you get one guarantee through eBay, the eBay buy guarantee. If you pay through PayPal, you'll get an additional guarantee. So this is very important in terms of you protecting yourself. I always pay with PayPal. Um, Yes, I mean, when you receive uh, money through PayPal, you do get those annoying fees, but it's the only way that I buy stuff on eBay. Now, when you're buying stuff from overseas, so for example, when I paid for that beautiful Canon uh, Prima AS1 waterproof camera this morning, it will list the item in the original currency, so 34 British pounds. PayPal then said, okay, you're going to pay through PayPal with your credit card, your MasterCard, uh, and that'll be 70 Australian dollars. And what it's doing there is it's actually doing the currency conversion for you already. And it's then going to charge you in your local currency. But when it's done the the currency conversion, it's actually added on its little commission. So what I do is I click on the little link there. It'll say change currency and a little box will come up and it'll say, are you sure that you wish to pay in the overseas currency? Your card issuer may charge you all these fees. And I just say yes and I pay in the original currency, which in this case was British pounds. Now, I have a credit card that I use for PayPal, which has no overseas transaction fees. So I know that I'm going to get a a better rate through my bank. And in fact, I think in this instance, I only saved about $3. But hey, that's my money. I'd rather save that $3 (laughs) than pay PayPal even more money. So uh, yeah, always change the currency to the overseas currency. If you have a credit card like me, where they don't charge you international transaction fees, that's a way that you can save a little bit of money. Tip number 10, get ready for your item. When your item has been bought, paid for, research it again. Download the manual. Watch YouTube videos about the camera. Have the correct batteries and film. So when that camera arrives on your doorstep, you are ready to test it straight away. Testing a camera is very, very important. If you've read the camera manual or you watch some YouTube videos, you should have a good idea how it works. So you can load it up with batteries and film, get out there and start shooting with it. Test all the functions. Make sure the flash works in all the different modes. Make sure there's no fungus or haze on the lens. Do a really thorough check about everything. And then when you get the negatives back from your test rolls, make sure you have a good look at them to make sure the camera isn't doing anything weird. An important tip here, of course, is to always use fresh film when you first test a camera. If you use some old expired film and there's some issues when the, when the test roll comes back, if you've used the old expired film, you will never really truly be sure whether there's an issue with the camera or if it's actually the film. Or if you use fresh film, and there's an issue with it, you'll know it is the camera. Now, the vast majority of times uh, when I've tested a camera with film, it's been fine. There's been three exceptions that I can think of. One was sold as a working Yashka camera, and when it turned up, the shutter was completely stuck and wouldn't move. And unfortunately, I had to go through the eBay resolution because the seller was refusing to refund me my money. I had to post it back to him and I got all my money back along with the postage. So that was a good resolution for me. He was very angry, but uh, it's his own fault for listing it as a working camera when it quite clearly, there was a major issue with it. The second time it happened, I bought a cheap point and shoot that said it was in working order. Uh, When I put batteries in, it actually wouldn't stop um, trying to wind film on. When the camera was switched on, there was a constant whirring of the motor trying to wind more and more film on. Whether there was film in there or not, it would just continually make this noise. And I contacted the seller and because it was only like 10 bucks, they just refunded me my money and said, don't bother sending it back. The third time that I've had an issue with a camera, and bear in mind, I've bought a lot of cameras off eBay. So these three are not uh, very many out of the whole lot. (laughs) But the third time was actually recently. And it was with that Context G2 that I was telling you about. 
I get my film development done by a lab. And when they do the dev for me, they um, chop up. Is that the right word? Chop up? Uh, they cut up the film roll into strips of four images. So I had this um, beautiful little negative um, strip come back of, you know, all the, all, the, all the images come back in strips of four. And I scanned them all. And there was a couple of images. I mean, one in particular, it looked like I'd... Um, taking a photo while I was moving. It was all blurred. It was the weirdest thing. And I distinctly remember being very careful with those shots because I was testing out the different apertures of the camera. I was shooting at f2, f4, and f8 just to see how the, the, the lens sort of rendered different uh, apertures. And so I looked back at these negatives and I was like, that's really weird. I don't remember pressing the shutter when I was moving. It was all blurred. Um, but it was on the end of one strip of negative and then the next weird one was at the start of another. And I thought, oh, that's a bit weird. I better make sure I'm not pressing the shutter next time when I'm when I'm putting the camera down or I don't know, uh, it was a bit weird. Anyway, when I got the next roll of film back, the mystery was revealed. This time I had the film done by a different lab who cut the film negs into strips of six. All of a sudden, the problem was laid bare <laughs> before my eyes. What this Contax G2 was doing was it was taking an exposure, but the exposure was actually sliding into the next frame of the film. Now, I, I don't know how else to describe this, but I will put this up on the show notes for this episode so you can see. This is a major, major issue with this camera for me. Uh, it was like, yeah, one frame was moving into the next frame, overlapping the next frame. And of course, this is an automatic camera. So it's not as if it was me getting the spacing wrong. It's actually, it seems to be an issue with the shutter and the film advance, which would not be cheap to fix with a Contax G2. So I actually uh, sent the eBay seller a little message. I said, hey, um, there seems to be a little bit of a problem with this G2. And I showed him the negative where, you know, the problem was. And he was very, very apologetic. And he said, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I, I can offer you two things. I can offer you a full refund for the camera or I can offer you 300 US dollars to get it fixed. I had a little think and I thought, quite honestly, I don't think 300 US dollars will be enough to get this fixed simply because I don't know of any repairers of Contax G2s in Australia. And I'll probably have to send it to the USA or, or Europe. And uh, I thought in the end, I asked for a full refund, which he gave me, uh, and all's well that ends well. Um, I had to send the camera back to him, and I got a full refund. Um, so that's why testing cameras is very, very important. Tip number 11, talk to the seller if there is an issue. So that's exactly what I did with that major issue with the Contax G2, and he was very accommodating. But if there are smaller issues with the camera, always talk to the seller in a very polite um, kind of way. Um, don't sort of storm in there and tell them that the camera doesn't work and all of a sudden they come back and say, oh, actually, you know, you didn't do this or you didn't do that. You need to read the manual. That's kind of embarrassing. Always make sure you know what you're talking about by knowing how the camera works. If there is a problem in the first place, Google it, search forums to see if there's a, it's a user error or is it a camera error? And then ask the seller about it. Hey, there's an issue with this camera. You know, it wasn't in the listing. What can you tell me about it? They may at that stage then request further info. They may request the images. They may request a little video of it. So, you know, try and work with them productively to get to the bottom of it. And then, you know, you can either see what your options are there uh, where you, they can offer you a refund or offer you some money back or something like that. If you're not entirely sure, Ask advice from people that you know, uh, either your friends who are into film photography or ask in a Facebook group if you're not sure how to proceed. People will help you out. Um, you know, take some of the advice with a pinch of salt because sometimes people handle things differently, but that's a good place to start if you're not sure how to proceed. Tip number 12, make sure you know what your rights are. That is very important. For example, if you buy something off eBay and they tell you that it's in perfect working condition, but they do not offer any refunds or returns and it arrives on your doorstep and there's a major issue with it and it doesn't work, just because they've put no refunds or returns, that does not hold water. 
that is not right. You can talk to eBay, talk to the seller first, but talk to eBay and tell them what the situation is, that you bought the item in good faith, but there's a major problem with it. And they will uh, they will go into bat for you and they will probably get your money back if it's as clear cut as that. Here in Australia, we have very good consumer protection laws. Uh, so consumers are covered by the Australian Consumer Guarantee or Australian Consumer Laws. Um, so look into that for your country. It'll be different from country to country around all these laws. But you probably have something very similar in your country. As well as eBay protection, you also have PayPal protection. Be sure to check the conditions behind the PayPal protection though. There are terms and conditions that come along with it and uh, if you don't comply to them, you will not be eligible. So it's always good to have a look through them and make sure you know what they are. Finally, I'm a big believer in karma. So if you do have an an item that you have, uh, you know, it's broken, maybe you got a refund, maybe you didn't, but then don't sell that item on as untested, knowing full well there's a problem with it. Um, so for example, when I, when I resold that uh, Mewtwo Zoom 80, I actually told people about the light leaks that it had around the, the lens barrel and I showed them photos because I don't want anyone coming back to me and saying, hey, you ripped me off. It doesn't work or there's these light leaks. It's not good karma. So always be a good person, shoot film, be nice, and uh, be very honest with your descriptions of your own listings. So there you go. You have my top 12 tips for buying film cameras on eBay. Number one, research the camera. Number two, research the price. Number three, set up eBay alerts. Number four, read the listings carefully. Number five, research the seller. Number six, if it's too good to be true, it probably is. Number seven, bid late and bid high. Number eight, get a discount on fixed price listings. Number nine, always pay with PayPal. Number 10, make sure you're ready for when your item arrives. Number 11, talk to the seller if there's an issue or get advice from other people about it. Number 12, make sure you know what your consumer rights are. That's it for episode 16 of Matt Loves Cameras. I hope you have enjoyed the show. If you'd like to get in touch, you can hit me up via Instagram direct message at Matt Loves Cameras, or you can send an email to mattlovescameras at gmail.com. Take care. Cheerio. Bye-bye. Check the show notes for the link.